Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Chiluminati Podcast, episode 235, I think. Is it 35? <laughs> it's 35 or 36, either one. Anyway, I'm one of your hosts, Mike Martin, joined by the Mandalorian and Grogu <coughs> of LA, Jesse Cox and Alex Fasciani. Hello, boys. That's, that's, that's incredible. I have always thought of Alex more of a Grogu, so that checks out. Look, <laughs> I'll be honest. I wouldn't mind living Grogu's life. Yeah, I just wheel you around in a little floating carriage and uh, feed you frogs. <laughs> I can eat. I can just, like, fuck shit up. <laughs> yeah. There's debate over how smart I am. Like, I can just do whatever I want. Like, I'm just inside my own little, you know that little, you know that movie Orphan, where the girl ends up being, like, an old lady? She's, like, ends up being, like, a, like, 45-year-old con artist. Spoilers, by the way, for that movie. Oh, yes, but I have not seen that movie. That's okay, though. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Nobody's missing out. Like, go read the article about the real story. It's way better. That's what I feel like Grogu is. Like, like, like Mandalorian is like imprinting on Grogu because Grogu is like, like a Chihuahua. Like he's got the face of a baby, right? He's like soft. He's gentle, but actually, he's like seventy-five years old, and he's like, ha, 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 give me another one of those frogs. Ha, ha, ha. I can use the Force. Ha, 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 ha. Like him and Luke are like, what's up, man? And like Luke, <laughs> Luke like Luke like understands what Grogu is. He's like Grogu, we are equals. And like, and that's how Grogu is. He's like, you have to choose between being evil or good, Grogu. And Grogu, like when whenever uh, Din Djarin shows up, he's like, ah, ah. like it's a totally different guy. Because it's, it's like a, it's like a, like a pet. He's like a little pet. Yeah, he's like code switching. Grogu, yeah. Grogu wears armor, dog. <laughs> oh God. That's not that's weird. How did you get so deep into this analytical? I'll tell you this: I didn't write it down. That's no, for sure. no shit. You didn't write it down. <laughs> it's just like, and I stand correct that he is the most Grogu amongst us. Sure, yeah. it feels like you've yeah. just thought about this a lot. Not really. I, you know, uh, I'm just kind of flying by the seat of my pants. Uh, and to that end, let's use that whatever it is to segue into this advertisement for our Patreon at <laughs> patreon.com slash pod, which is a Patreon and is available for you to patronize. So please go over there and give us your money to keep this show happening. And in exchange, we will give you free PBS tote bag esque rewards like ad free episodes and access to our archive of episodes of rotten popcorn mathis and i and jesse were just talking about how mathis wants to show us money playing really badly for some reason yes. mathis is like a why do we keep letting him make these choices mathis is like charge. a doctor who creature that is like he he like absorbs negative knowledge like every movie that from the canon that i've watched and and added to my letterboxd profile mathis has seen like some fucking movie that is like the weirdest movie that you've ever seen that like makes you tired to watch <laughs> that <laughs> makes you wonder what's wrong with the people inside the movie that they had to do this movie like i don't know that's what rotten popcorn is also mel draws cool ass pictures all the goddamn time and you just get them if you sign up uh and merch same deal and if you are so rich that ten thousand dollars is nothing to you then why don't you come sneeze on patreon.com slash pod and Jesse will debase his beliefs for you. <laughs> he will compromise his morals. We had a test run of that last week. Kind of didn't go well. 
Jesse couldn't let go of his morals for very long. He will compromise himself rhetorically. That's because no one paid. I'm not going to compromise myself for free. Yeah, that was the it demo was a test version. run. You know how this works. You got to give them a li- the good stuff first. I gave them a little bit. They got a little bit of it, and I'm going <laughs> to let you know you can get more. Baby. That was the PlayStation Magazine demo disc. The PlayStation Mag. Yeah, you got to get the demo disc, the one with Metal Gear Solid on it. No, dude, I'm an AOL demo disc. I'm an install disc that comes for free. Oof. And I'll, you can use me all you want, but I'm not going to unlock anything good unless you pay. You want to know something crazy? Omega Boost is such a good video game that everybody who had the demo had enough. I don't even know what that is. Omega Boost. What the fuck Omega is Omega Boost? Why don't you ask Eiffel 65, bro? I own their CD. I blue. <laughs> I had X a CD. Files. You don't remember the, the song Monday? about the PlayStation? I'm on a play the games on PlayStation all day. No one knows that song but you, dude, because no one listened to more than one of their songs. I did. Mm. I guess that's one of those big country hits that Mathis knows that I missed on my negative knowledge. <laughs> my negative knowledge. That's why I know the PlayStation game. I owned like total of four CDs in my life. I bought a huge radio with my first paycheck ever. And one of them is Eiffel 65s. And I owned, yep, I owned that. I owned Astro Lounge. I think I've said a million times. Oh uh, I had Will Smith's like Willennium CD. <laughs> uh, and I had a Creed CD. <laughs> oh my God. You know, with the clay guy coming out of the ground. Yeah, I do know it. Yeah, yeah. That one. Oh, my God. You were like a Roxy store in the year 2002. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Dude. Yeah. What the yeah, fuck is a Roxy like, store? You were the guy who picked out the soundtrack for Inside the Roxy store. That's the, that's the girl's only Quicksilver brand. How, how do you? Where, where were you? Where are you? What are you doing? Are you in the mirror universe? Is this like fringe? No, just Rhode Island. Rhode Island's not got a lot going on, you know? That's true. It just doesn't got a lot in general. Like, it just... It, it, yeah, going on or not, there's not a lot of Rhode Island. Top to bottom, 45 minutes. That's all it takes. This is a Patreon advertisement for patreon.com slash Pod. Go, go off. And go to theyeti.com slash Illuminati for those collectible coins. And a new t-shirt is launching on the 5th of February. It may or may not be that uh, awesome Mel design that she had temporarily out there. The cat, the Friday, the chill teeth. Okay, boys, it's part two today. Do you remember last week? Do you need a... a, a how could I forget? Yeah, you know, the Dulce facility. How much of a, how much of a, how, the Dulce delay? The Dulce facility, as I may have said early on. Uh, last week in the part one of this two-parter of the Dulce facility, what that was, was really just kind of a, a breakdown or a uh, kind of a general idea of what this place is, the floors that are kind of have, that, that, that it has with the different species on it, and what is, you know, kind of going on in there along with a few notable names that were able to provide, quote-unquote, and I say provide with heavy quotations, uh, this information after being in the actual base itself. But today, as I promised last week, we're going to talk details. We're going to talk intrinsic details as to what is actually going on at that base. The rebellion that I talked about that we briefly mentioned last episode, including the name of a reptilian that helped them form the rebellion to get out of there, and how our dear Saboba. <laughs> I mean, hold on to that. Sebulba. Not- <laughs> hold on to that. You maybe not. <laughs> this is uh, and then in the end we're talking about how he gets out, and then we're gonna talk a little bit about how maybe Dulce does exist, but it's much closer to an Area 51 style thing where Area 51 was denied uh, to exist for a long time until they eventually admitted it. Dulce may be similar in that it, it may actually be just not, not like a huge alien base, but a military base where maybe they test technology. And a lot of this story is 
padded with a lot of nonsense purposefully so that nobody worries about what actually is happening in Dulce, New Mexico. And I don't know if you guys have gone to the subreddit since last week, but two or three people who live in that area talk about all kinds of shit that actually happens out there in uh, in Dulce. It's it's interesting. I don't know if you read any of it. Did you? Uh, I caught a bunch of it. I I feel like. I feel like saying that it might be more like an Area 51 situation is kind of like a loaded <laughs> thing to say. Because <laughs> I mean, an Area 51 situation in that it exists, and I'm leaving it at that. No more than, like, I'm not saying aliens are there or technology is there, only that it is a government facility that truly actually exists. Yeah. I'll, you know what? I'll take that. I'll buy that for a dollar. I'll buy that. I'll take. I'll buy that for a dollar. Good. What? That's a. That's a reference for a movie I haven't seen. I just don't know what movie. Robocop. You still. You haven't Robocop, seen Robocop, right? Yes, that's right. That's right. I've never seen Robocop. I played the game though, and it was really. He good. was like, "I'll play the PS5 game instead." Yeah, it was yeah. good. He's like, "That's probably good." Don't give me that look, Jesse. I didn't do anything wrong. I Robocop isn't really necessary cinema. Let's it's be real. I'll tell you I this. Can't. I'll tell you this. Robocop is a ten out of ten, and that's all I'll say. You don't have to watch it if you don't want, but if you don't like tens, then you know that I don't know what to tell you. You've never seen Red Foreman shoot a man's entire body off. The fact that it hasn't happened to you is shocking. Yeah, I haven't seen that. But I also didn't watch that 70s show. So. But hey, you knew who Red Foreman was, so that says all you need to know. It's true, I did. The best scene in RoboCop is the one where the guy gets shot in the in the van and he runs into the toxic waste. And then the toxic waste like goes through the van and then he climbs out the back of the van and he's like a toxic waste zombie now. Oh, and then and like then 10 he, like, minutes later, he's like... Yeah, yeah, he gets hit great. by a car. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, he gets hit by a car and like shredded into pieces. Yeah. Robocop fucks. And and it's like a satire. It does sound like fun. Uh, uh, and I'll have to watch it. I'll have to watch it. I'll put on the list of things to see I've when I on, hang out I've with you guys when I go. To, yeah, Let's exactly. Go. We'll watch it when I get down there. Today, though, it's not Robocop, it's the Dulce facility. A much more interesting topic for conversation. Or they're building Robocop at the Dulce de Leche oh, base. Shit. Which sounds Ooh. pretty sweet to me. It does indeed. <laughs> Uh, so uh, last week was kind of a, an attempt to put together <laughs> time out. Okay. Time out. Okay. No okay. Can... All right. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. No one could see this. This man looked directly to camera. He was like, it sounds sweet to me. And then stared at the camera for 30 seconds of uninterrupted eye contact. Mathis moved on like it was nothing. But I have to, man. There's nobody can see this other than us. I can't let that slide. What's the point of doing this if we can't have the time of our lives? This man literally made a terrible pun and then looked at me because Mathis was moving on, looked at me for like support. Sometimes when you mm. want to laugh, you got to follow the advice of Britney Spears. You know what it is? <sighs> you got to work, bitch. <laughs> Remember that song? No. Uh, work, bitch by Britney Spears. What else you want to talk about? Everyone knows that song. What else you want to talk about today? Dolce bass. Yeah, well, Dolce de Leche bass, please. Uh, so last week, I kind of put together a general idea from multiple sources, from various people who have heard things, who have read things, who have seen things, but only one individual claims to actually have been within the Dulce facility, to actually have seen its floors, and actually know what's operating within there. And that man is a man we mentioned last week, a man by the name of Thomas Edwin Costello. And today, we're going to go over pretty much all the details he gives out. He has supposedly pictures, the Dulce papers supposedly come from him, and there was only ever one interview that was leaked, and I could only find it on the website auricmedia.net. So, just understand this is some secret deep down, you know, hidden information from the government that's totally filled with truth. 
and don't worry about questioning any of it. It's just chilling on a .NET. It's just chilling on a .NET somewhere. It's using that, that Frodo and Samwise Gamgee security <laughs> method. Really? Just sending that <laughs> in the most unexpected of places. <laughs> it looks like a GeoCities website, as most of these sources typically do. Uh, so we're going to look back real quick at who Thomas Edwin Costello was. This man was an allegedly a former security technician employed by the Rand Corporation, and Thomas claimed to have worked the deep- Rand Corporation for Marvel Comics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that them exactly. Uh, he also claimed that he worked deep within the bowels of the Dulce facility, a place so secretive that its very existence is the stuff of legend. The early years of Thomas painted a picture of an ordinary man with a very uh. How he claims an extraordinary destiny uh, as a young sergeant stationed at Nellis Air Force Base in Las Vegas, Nevada. His life was, you know, just typical military fare. His role as a military point of order, point of order as a human being in this life. If anybody, if anybody tells you that it's their destiny to do anything, just just peace out. Just don't. What if even- they just say they're going? They feel like they they didn't realize they were going to have an extraordinary destiny. That's the same. It's the okay. exact yeah, situation. Like I'm the describing. Same thing. That's exactly sure, the situation I'm describing. You should get on a Greyhound bus out of that town, ski daddle, the figurative town. Stay, stay home. Don't give up your home. Maybe buy some residencies and uh, settle down. Settle down in that town and live in a land where you know your destiny is extraordinary. I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> he had a role within the military as a military photographer. Uh, photographer. However, that, is my, my, that is might be sociopath. <laughs> 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 no, I'm not. Uh, he, but he says being a military photographer gave him top secret clearance and that literally led him into the world far removed from the mundane normality the, that he was accustomed is, to. Is the logic on that just like, I mean, somebody's got to take pictures of the secret stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of so the logic. Think? I think me, you, who do you yeah, think it is? Pretty much. Me. Yeah. That's yeah, how I got that's the That's what it seems like. And that's how I beat Shaq. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas's journey into this uh, world of the insane began when with a transfer to West Virginia, where he trained in advanced intelligence photography. Working inside a mysterious underground installation, his clearance was elevated to TS4, a level that basically was like the secrets beyond secrets beyond secrets. The stuff that even the president doesn't know about, super secret tech coming from, quote unquote, the brightest minds in the country. I thought you had to pay L. Ron Hubbard like $30 million to get that high up. Well, he's no, dead now. No, so. no, 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 no. It's fine. Yeah. No, all you gotta do is watch one episode of, uh, guys, I know it's South Park. I just want to let you know an old man moment just happened there. I just <laughs> got the name of South Park. <laughs> I, I know the name is South Park. And I was going to say, you just got to watch one episode of South Park. But what was about to come out of my mouth was, you just got to watch one episode of those boys in Colorado. <laughs> those young whippersnappers out there in the snow, holding it down and saying all those swears. I don't know what's I don't know why instead of just saying South Park I was like gotta get the boys in Colorado like somehow that was where's the same. my nephew Derek get me a world of- <laughs> as you age your brain just changes and you can no longer remember things as they I, are like I remembered it and it was it, it wasn't like I forgot it thing it was literally I just instead was like go ask them boys in Colorado like somehow <laughs> that was the same you're that dude in Napoleon Dynamite who's just like <laughs> That's right, I'm learning a new language thanks to Babbel. And thanks to Babbel for sponsoring today's episode. 
What's the best way to learn a new language? Let me tell you. It's just immersion. Immerse yourself in the world of another language, living where the language is spoken and using it every single day. But, you know, if that's not in the cards for you because you're not a millionaire and can't just move to another country just to learn another language for fun, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. So in 2024, let Babbel help you become a better version of you because as good as you think you are right now, you're not as good as you could be. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for a private tutor or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. And Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations. Tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. And it's been maybe 15 years since I've taken Spanish and living in Texas. Learning Spanish has been an absolutely wonderful thing for me to do. And I'm not very good at it, but I'm getting better. Ready? Here we go. Hola. Me llamo Miguel. Babbel has over 10 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. So here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, you can get 55% off of your Babbel subscription but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash chill. That's 55% off at babbel.com slash chill. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash chill. Rules and restrictions apply. Thank you again to Babbel for sponsoring today's episode. It was in 1971 that Thomas's career took a pivotal turn. It's in this, this year that Thomas was offered a position within the, the Rand Corporation Serving as that said, security technician. He relocated to California, where they had a significant presence, and his security clearance reached brand new heights. Upgraded to what else? But security clearance Ultra 3. So he went from TS4 to Ultra 3? Yes. (laughs) He went from TS4 to Ultra 3. Correct. They get a new guy who came up with the names of the levels in between? Maybe. Well, in his early 70s, you know? What what were comics in that era? Like, what were comics like in the early 70s? Uh, could they write something like this? Yeah. I mean, look where Rand was at iron fist in the seventies was like the time when it really shouldn't have been a white guy doing a bunch of real cool stuff. Rand. I'm curious corporation. Yeah. Rand corporation is real. No, the Rand corporation is a real thing, but he's talking about Danny Rand. No, I know he's talking about the the iron fist. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I saw saw the the Rand corporation, which is a very real corporate. That's a very real thing that may or may not be just as, as bad as the, uh, Danny Rand story from uh, Netflix. So, yeah. like, you know, it's like, isn't it like, a, isn't it like a think tank? It is. And some of the shit that comes out of there is truly awful. Yeah. Surprise. Oh. <laughs> so, again, he, he supposedly had to, like, work there. He's hired as a security technician. His new security clearance is Ultra 3, which, you know, basically paved the way for what was about to be, what was about to happen to him a few years later. Because in 1977, would mark the year that changed Thomas's life forever. He was transferred to Santa Fe, New Mexico, and his role evolved into something unprecedented. As a photo security specialist in the Dulce installation, Thomas was responsible for the maintenance, alignment, and calibration of a vast network of video monitoring cameras throughout an underground complex so secretive that its purpose was known only to a select few. Obviously, the Dulce facility. And upon his arrival in Dulce, Thomas, along with several other new recruits, was subjected to a chilling indoctrination. 
they were introduced to what Thomas later referred to as the big lie. The claim that the facility's subjects used for genetic experiments were irreversibly insane and that the research conducted was for medical and humane purposes. That is what he considers the big lie. That is not true. Okay. As Thomas settled into his new role, the yeah, go ahead, Alex. That's please. just not the big lie that I'm familiar with. But no, that's we're fine. in a different time. They're in a different yeah. time. Remember, this is coming out like in 2014. This inter- this interview is. Oh no, this interview is leaking like in the 80s or 90s. I think we just know it. It went online in the 20 in 2014. <clears throat> so you know, just not not quite the same as as what we know right now. As Thomas settled into his role, the facade of Dulce began to crumble. His job escorting visitors and maintaining surveillance brought him face to face with some of the facility's darkest secrets. The base, he discovered, was a hub for joint alien-slash-U.S. government operations, a fact that was as exhilarating to him as it was terrifying. And his initial encounters with extraterrestrial beings, greys and reptilians alike, while thrilling, dangerous, equally so. Yet, as he delved deeper into the labyrinth of Dulce, he realized that the reality was far more sinister than he he had even come to believe uh, on his own from just his interactions. The facility, shrouded in secrecy, was a place where ethics and morality were abandoned in the pursuit of unspeakable scientific, quote-unquote, objectives. Thomas Edwin Costello's time at Dulce Base was marked by an escalation of disturbing discoveries, but none more so than his experiences on the sixth level of this multi-leveled complex, infamously known as he dubs it, quote-unquote, Nightmare Hall. So level six of this giant multiplex, he's dubbed Nightmare Hall. This is what the heart of this Dulce facility is supposedly like, a place where the most unimaginable experiments were said to occur far beyond the scrutiny of the outside world held to no rule or law. As Costello navigated the corridors leading to his clandestine level, the air felt would, he felt would grow thick and he immediately had a sense of foreboding. The doors to Nightmare Hall would open to reveal a labyrinth of laboratories and holding cells, each unveiling a new horrific experiment being done. According to Costello, Nightmare Hall housed a series of extensive laboratories where genetic experiments were conducted by a mix of human and alien scientists. These experiments were not just on animals, but on humans as well. He described seeing human-animal hybrids, we talked about that last week, manimals, biologically engineered creatures that defied nature's laws. Some resembled mythical beasts, while others were grotesque amalgamations of a species. You think like a chimera, and then you think like um, what's that fucking anime? Uh, shit. Um, what? Alchemist. Full Metal, Full oh, Metal yeah. Alchemist, where like that dog daughter, like horrifying amalgamation, like app. That's what I think of. Oh, what you talking about? That never happened, and it's not something to ever think about, dude. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> he would recount to uh, in this interview rooms lined with tanks that were filled with an amber liquid, where embryonic forms would f- like floated, connected to life support machines. Some tanks held what appeared to be fully developed humanoid forms, exhibiting physical characteristics alien to any known species on Earth. A chilling aspect of Nightmare Hall, as per Costello's accounts, involved the use of abducted humans as subjects for these experiments. People who vanished without a trace from the Earth's surface found themselves in the clutches of the Dulce facility. And Thomas spoke of encountering disoriented and frightened humans kept in cells awaiting their turn in the experimental labs for whatever diabolical experiment they were going to be subject to next. So a lot of the alien abductions they're saying is basically they're they're being brought to Dulce facility, whether it's the greys taking them or maybe it's government psyops taking them off the streets. And uh, I 
believe, if I remember correctly, missing 411 sort of alludes occasionally that maybe the people going missing are being shipped off to government facilities, including things like the Dulce facility. Yeah, the tunnels that mysteriously match up, and then they go down a yep. slide that leads them all the way to the Dulce base. Yeah, it's like, exactly, exactly. But if you take the wrong slide, you're going to end up in the back room, so just be careful. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, like he's saying all kinds of horrifying shit are being done here, and the people who are abducted, this is where they fucking end up. These individuals, he claimed, were subjected to the genetic manipulation, often resulting in painful and irreversible transformations. He recounted the despair in the eyes of these captives, a haunting reminder for him of the human cost that he could never forget of this facility. The sixth level also housed advanced technologies that were far beyond any known human capabilities or inventions. Costello mentioned devices capable of just simply manipulating DNA on their own machines that could alter the very essence of a living being, and technology that allowed for the creation of life forms designed to specific specifications, which is one of the one things I'm like, oh, hey, we kind of just talked about that when we talked about the grays and that genetic, that dude that was a geneticist who made that post, supposedly, with heavy quotes and a pinch of salt. Like famous Reddit post, yeah. Yeah, exactly. One of the most disturbing revelations from Thomas was the existence of a technology that he simply dubbed a soul transfer machine. The hell is that? He described a process where consciousness was transferred from one body to another, effectively allowing an entity to just change bodies, prolonging their existence or acquiring, acquiring new physical forms. You know, the beginning of X-Men apocalypse. Yeah. You know, dude. Yeah. I didn't see that one. Was it bad? It's not worth seeing, but that's (laughs) the plot. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, well, don't they do that in uh, Days of Future Past? They put uh, Wolverine's consciousness back in time. They do that in many things because it is the most sci-fi <laughs> tropey sci-fi trope that ever was. In fact, you know the the lovely movie Stargate, right? Of it, yes. So Stargate, that film, I'm just convinced 99% of modern day sci-fi comes from that movie. Like <laughs> yeah, when like you Dune look at people on Facebook and they're like, we just need med beds. They're going to get us med beds. I'm like, that Stargate? If you look at like the soul transfer, that Stargate. If you look at traveling through wormholes, that Stargate. Is that soft disclosure? It's a good question. I'm glad someone asked it. That's good. I mean, media could be being used in soft disclosure, right? I want to watch Stargate now. That would be Imagine, Stargate's great. What if the soft disclosure was none of that, but Star Wars has been soft disclosure all along? Star Wars? I watched Stargate uh, recently. I'm just saying. The best part of that is that, you know what? Not even. We should watch it on this show. Just so I can show you the best part of that movie is all the character names. When you realize what every character's name is, it becomes even funnier. It's That's so what good. I'm talking about. That, I want to watch Stargate. But what, Jesse, but what if soft disclosure is none of that, but soft disclosure has been Star Wars the whole time? That's not true at all. If soft disclosure is Star Wars, I'm disappointed in the aliens already. <laughs> I would get religion. <laughs> I would get religion if Star Wars was real. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, the overarching theme in Costello's description of Nightmare Hall was basically just the utter disregard of any ethical boundaries. Anything was allowed as long as it was in the pursuit of knowledge and power, and basically all that had eclipsed any moral considerations that anybody was doing here. The scientists and beings working in these labs, whether motivated by curiosity, duty, or darker desires, participated in activities that were not just scientifically audacious, but just simply morally bankrupt. And for Thomas, for Costello, Nightmare Hall, like discovering this place was his turning point. The atrocities that he witnessed there said he said haunted him forever and propelled his decision to become a whistleblower. 
The burden of carrying these secrets was too immense, he says, and but Thomas believed the world needed to know the truth about the dark underbelly of the Dulce facility. So, you know, that's the turning point for this man overall. In the depths, however, we'll talk a little bit more about the actual, what he claims were the aliens that were living there and their interactions. Because um, we talked a little bit about last time, but in the depths of the Dulce fa- uh, base, according to Costello, lay secrets not just of advanced technology and unethical experiments, but also of just interactions with like, extraterrestrial beings. His accounts provide a vivid depiction of the various alien species that purportedly collaborated with humans in this facility. The most frequent one encountered are obviously the greys. In Dulce Base, as per Costello's account, were the greys and these beings, known for their distinct large head and dark almond-shaped eyes, were often seen working under the direction of human scientists in other species. They uh, Thomas described them as a somewhat subservient engaged in various technical tasks throughout the facility. The Greys were involved in many of the genetic experiments, he claims, handling intricate procedures that required precision and skill. Costello noted that despite their advanced technology and intelligence, though, the Greys seemed to lack emotional expressions, carrying out their duties with a mechanical efficiency. They kind of just were like the subservient collaborators, essentially. The Greys ended up being here in Dulce. It's just, it's just so funny how the Greys just kind of like fill whatever yeah. role they're like goombas they're like the fucking they're like oh just my little god that's genius <laughs> they're the alien goombas yeah Fuck. they're just like little there's whatever they're like little lego guys i don't know like whatever they need to be like uh the foot soldiers they're the grays or like if it's like uh you know there's like a spaceship and there's a bunch of different species on there and one of them's the trash guys you know it's going to be the fucking grays but the grays are also the only one that are like the, the grays are also the only ones that are out there like jerking people off that's what I'm saying. Does that sound like a job you want to have? But why give it to the Greys? If they're like these subservient biomechanical people, why are you giving them the orgasm machine to use? Why not use it like with the reptilian? Because if you're an, it's the same thought as why don't most people want to go off and like jerk off a cow? Right. Listen, I am a proponent that the farmer should dress up as a cow for the cow's own mental stimulation. Okay? No, I'm just saying the same reason why people aren't trying to like. Mm, they see us as cows. Get I- in line to help dolphins impregnate each other. You know what I mean? Like it's to them. We would be weird. It'd be weird to do. It wouldn't be hot. That's true. That's true. Yeah. We're the animals to them. Yeah. We're the strange creature. But they got psychic powers. So like make me see something that's not real. Make it more fun. But if you're not going to, I mean, like, listen, I'm not saying that has to be the, like a barrier to entry. If you, if you can't do that and you still want to take me, I'll go. I'm just saying, if you can give me a mental image bonus on top, that's all like make it more enjoyable. Then we've got the reptilians. These guys are kind of known as the dominant force within the base. They're more formidable and commanding than, uh, than the greys uh, by a long shot. And Thomas described these beings as an, having an imposing stature with scaly skin and an air of authority. They were the true overseers of the more critical and sensitive projects within Dulce. The reptilians, as portrayed by Costello, were not just another alien species. They were politically and militarily powerful as well, exerting considerable influence over the operations of the base. They appeared to hold a higher rank in the extraterrestrial hierarchy and were often involved in high-level decisions and negotiations. Thomas recounted witnessing, uh, witnessing meetings between human military leaders and reptilian representatives often, discussing matters that seemed to go beyond mere scientific collaboration. He hinted at a complex alliance with Earth's own governments deeply entangled in a web of interstellar politics and power plays. Like, you know, reptilians are basically the commanding ones. 
And then within the reptilians among them, there was a particular subset of reptilians also known as the Draco, which in other (laughs) alien lore, Draco and reptilians are totally separate. Here, reptilians and Draco, Draco are a a subset of reptilian. Uh, These beings were described as even more enigmatic and powerful, possibly the ruling class of the reptilian species. The Draco were seldom seen, but were believed to be the puppeteers orchestrating much of what occurred not only in Dulce, but in other similar installations around the world. Costello's description of the Draco conveyed a sense of ancient wisdom and a formidable power. He speculated that they might have been involved with Earth for much longer than any other extraterrestrial species, possibly guiding the course of human evolution and history itself. Um, and these guys are explained as having like smoother scales, a little paler uh, in their color, not bright green like a typical lizard. Um, they look a little bit different, but beyond they're, they're again, the ruling class and they're the reason they've been here forever, man. They've been here longer than we were even things. And then of course we've got the ethereal beings that we kind of hinted at last week a little bit. In addition to the greys and the reptilians, Costello spoke of encountering other less, uh, tangible entities. These beings were harder for him to define often appearing as ethereal or semi-transparent. Their presence in the base was one of the most closely guarded secrets, with only a few high clearance personnel aware of their true nature. So even Thomas having an ultra three level classification, he wasn't even be allowed to know what their true nature was. He just kind of encountered them occasionally. Even uh, he, he tried to figure out what their origins and intentions were, but he could never figure it out. But he sensed that these ethereal beings were of significant importance to the activities within the facility itself. Their interactions with the physical world were limited, but when they did engage, it was with a purpose that seemed to transcend the mundane concerns of the base. Whatever the fuck that means. Uh, Thomas's words sometimes are a little bit on the vague side. But yeah, these ethereal creatures are kind of just like around. Don't laugh. Thomas's words are vague for his own safety. Okay, Whistleblowers got to look out for themselves. And sometimes you can only leak in, uh, uh, safely an interview to auricmedia.net. So, you know, I, I understand. <clears throat> So there you go. There's like a rundown of the major, the major races, really just three of them. Now, granted, we have stories and supposed sources say Nordics and all of them were in there as well. But according to Thomas, this is the only things that he saw while he was there. And he's the only one that claims to be from the base as a whistleblower who worked there. Uh, so you kind of, you know, if you're going to take anybody's word on this for fact, it has to be Costello's. However, we have no evidence, obviously, beyond the Dulce papers that are heavily contested or whether are like actually real or, or not. So then we move into the era that Thomas Costello talks about uh, the kind of the, the conflict in uh, revelation that he has, where he begins to build this rebel alliance. <laughs> See, Star Wars may Sorry, have been what? soft disclosure. He builds a rebel alliance, dude, to fight back against the evil empire of Dulce Facility. Fuck, Star Wars was right all along, dude. There's never been another story about a plucky band of rebels no ever. no it's only star wars yeah no only star have wars. you heard of a movie brand new movie fresh idea it's, it's called rebel moon <laughs> oh shit i have heard of it i have not seen it yeah <laughs> i want to watch and then make the angriest video because i know i'm gonna hate it i know i'm gonna hate it i love sucker punch so just kidding should we watch it together <sighs> i would love to watch that movie it's if it's it's x snyder i'm i'm assuming all style, no substance. It'll be garbage. Like yeah. gorgeous cinematography, plot that makes no sense. Yeah, they should make a movie. He should make a movie about Duce Base. It's 
So Costello's like tenure at Dulce base uh, or Dulce facility, whatever the fuck you want to call it, was not just like a journey through the physical depths of a secret facility, but also became a descent into a moral abyss. Sick, twisted mind of its creator. Oh, fuck. Dude. Oh, air hypnosis. He would definitely have been there at Dulce facility doing some weird shit. He's like, I just got back from Argentina. <laughs> Did you know the eight ball is different there? It's just like, you know, the torture and then the drugs because he made the eight ball machine. And then I remember, the drugs he I remember it. the whole is bit. There ball? Is there a drug? Or you call it a speed ball and drugs? I don't know. I don't do too many drugs. It's all right. Don't worry about it. Like you, you've okay. never sounded, <laughs> Educate you said, me. I want to know what it's never anyway, sounded uh, more like a narc in your life than right now. <laughs> so, so don't worry about it. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, this moral, this moral quandary for, for Costello really drove him from this point on the real, the realization of what truly was transpiring within this, the walls of the space far from the eyes of the public and under the guise of national security shook his very beliefs. And day by day, as Thomas navigated the complex network of Dulce's levels and interacted with its unusual inhabitants, he began piecing together a disturbing picture. He observed the treatment of the human subjects and the alarming nature of the experiments, the ethical lines that were crossed in the name of it, blah, 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 advancement, collaboration, the usual with extraterrestrial beings became increasingly apparent to him. Thomas's conscience was deeply troubled by the plight of the human subjects, many of whom seemed to have been abducted from their just regular lives, only to find themselves in the grip of the nightmarish reality of Dulce facility. The screams that echoed in the hidden chambers of the base, the look of despair in the eyes of the captives, and the secretive discussions he overheard among higher-ups all pointed to a sinister agenda far beyond mere scientific research. And haunted by what he had seen and learned, Thomas covertly reached out to a few like-minded individuals that he had come to know over his time working within the base. This group comprised not only of sympathetic human workers, but also a few alien enemies. Several metahuman participants. <laughs> including Professor Xavier. <laughs> that would be fucking sick. Particularly, though, they were from the lower echelons of the reptilian cast, who seemed equally disturbed by the direction of their leader's actions. Don't you laugh, Desi? What? How dare you doubt? I'm not laughing. How dare you doubt? I would never doubt the caste system of the reptilians. Right. Clearly, they've had millennia to work on it. And it's, and it's working out great for them, clearly. They're in control of our military. These clandestine meetings were fraught with danger. The base's security protocols were stringent with surveillance and monitoring at every turn. A mere whisper of dissent could lead to severe repercussions, yet the group was driven by a moral imperative to expose the truth. In the narrative recounted by Thomas Costello about the Dulce facility, there is a figure that comes to, that we actually get to learn the name of. The reptilian that you said was Sebulba was a name. Ha <laughs> <laughs> His actual name was Shal. I'm sorry. I'm looking this up. How do you spell that? Yeah, I got you. Hang on. I'm going to copy paste this for you. You can't just say it. I'm just going to. It's, easier it's for a me. secret. S-S-H-H-A-A-L. That is the name of a Bakurin from the Star Wars universe. But you just call him Hal for short, you know, Shal. Shall we dance? You might be saying, what would a, what are lower cast members of the reptilian species what do they do at the dulce facility what are your guests what do you think lower cast members lower cast of the reptilian species specifically so there's still so there's still like a high class among the other among the other species mm -hmm. but we're talking about like the lower end so maybe like maybe like uh 
like an assistant or like a okay, okay. They walk like around a, with like a little pad. Yeah, or middle management types. Gotcha, gotcha. People who take meetings that their rich bosses would like to skip to do fun reptilian golf tournaments and things. Honestly, that probably they probably enjoy if that was the case. Because the lower echelon of the reptilian cast, this man was a janitor. Okay. Was just a janitor. Okay, because that fucks me up because I would have imagined for sure that the Greys would have been the janitors. Right? No, yeah. Yeah, see, I had that thought too when I was like, wait, but I thought they were, I don't know, maybe the caste system, it's just the way it works there. Yeah, was a reptilian janitor worker, and he kind of emerges as an unlikely but key participant in the covert resistance against the base's clandestine activities. Here is a more deep, like, we're going to go over like a more detailed look at uh, Shal's involvement as per Costello's account. I had to look this up really quick. So I wanted to look this up because I was trying to figure out like who would serve as the lowest cast. I think it's very similar to kobolds and dragons. Well, yeah, because you got the Draco, the reptilians, and then these guys are probably like yeah, yeah little like the goons. They're like little yeah, trash man, yeah. little trash man dragons. Yeah, little the kobolds. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, according to Costello's account of his experiences, he mentioned meeting the reptilian janitorial worker uh, just while he was working. And he, was, he met him, bumped into him. They kind of had a conversation and things kind of led to how they both don't like how certain things are happening here. The reptilian named Shaw, according to Costello, was part of the lower caste of reptilian species working at Dulce and was sympathetic to the plight of the human workers and the victims of the experiments being conducted here. Shaw's involvement was significant because it suggested a complexity and diversity of opinions and attitudes among the reptilian beings that Costello initially thought wasn't true. He thought all the reptilians just hated humanity. So meeting Shaw and meeting the lower caste was like, oh, you guys are just as oppressed as us humans here. There's a common portrayal of them as a uniform, like they could see them as like a uniformly malevolent and dominating species, the reptilians. Even the lower caste saw the uh, kind of um, iron fist they ruled with. Costello described Shaw secretly formed, uh, he described how Shaw helped him secretly form a group of like-minded humans and other reptilians who were disillusioned with the activities in the base and willing to support the human-led rebellion. The inclusion of Shaw in his in, in Costello's uh, story, shall we call, um, just brings kind of an interesting dimension to Dulce Base, and I kind of wish that he had mentioned other names as well and what they did, because he mentioned that Shaw was key in bringing on other reptilians but I would have loved to know more about them. We just don't learn anything about anyone else other than Shaw and that he was a janitor. And that's all we know. Um, the, uh, the pivotal moment for, for them both came when Shaw directly ended up approaching Costello. And this was highly unusual and risky for any reptilian to do, given the strict segregation and the rules against fraternization within Dulce. You know, the strict, you do not talk unless you're only doing like working with somebody and by appointment or research. Otherwise, fucking stay away. Don't talk to anybody. They were afraid for information sharing, I imagine, or something along those lines. Um, but it was in this, uh, when he approached him, that he gave the, he told them all about his awareness and disapproval of the base's activities, which began forming this clandestine group. Um, Shaw revealed to Costello also that he had actually already formed a small secretive group of reptilian workers who were disturbed by these unethical experiments um, and this group, while limited in their capacity to affect change due to their lower status, would end up being crucial as well in providing information and support to the human-led resistance effort. So, yes, Shaw had like a spy network within the reptilian hierarchy that would feed him information that he would then feed to a Costello that informed the rebellion group they were they were uh, forming at the time. 
The alliance between Costello, Shaw, and others was very dangerous. Communication had to be super discreet, and meetings were held in secrecy due to the omnipresent surveillance and the risk of punishment, as previously mentioned. And Shaw and his group risked not just their positions, but potentially their lives, as dissent was not tolerated within reptilian hierarchy. Shaw's comp- yeah, yeah, like he he truly says, like he says that he was risking his life, that they could kill him for this if they ever found out. Um, whether you, you know, whatever that fucking means, there's no evidence, obviously, but hey, you know, the guy was risking his life and uh, I, I salute the soul you gotta of respect this respect Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I respect this man. He, uh, Shaw's contribu- contributions ended up primarily being in that information with the connection of his spy network. He provided insights into the activities of what the higher ranking reptilians were doing, their movements within the base and potential opportunities for the human resistance to swing in and gather evidence before other uh, eyes came into a room that had been recently emptied or something. His role was also pivotal in demonstrating that dissent existed among the alien ranks, challenging the monolithic perception of the reptilian species that Costello previously had. Shaw's fate, however, during the uprising and subsequent crackdown within Dulce facility is not really clearly detailed by Costello's account. His involvement in the events leading up to the rebellion paints a picture of cross-species collaboration driven by a shared sense of moral outrage and a desire for change, but what ends up happening to him is just kind of left out. We don't know. The story of Shaw as part of the base narrative for Costello kind of just like adds another layer of like storytelling complexity and more ambiguity and, and maybe even confusion to the story. But I don't know if this man is truly making it up, which obviously I think he is. <laughs> I don't understand the point of bringing up this character and making this character and then just like not at all finishing the story you know what sometimes you just sometimes you just fall in love with an oc and you just (laughs) gotta don't want him to die you just gotta let it ride for a little bit you know what i mean you gotta let it be what it is you think shawl was like thomas's oc like he like truly fell in love with this character it's the only one with the name it's the only one with the name it sounds exactly like when i made a fighting game when i was 11 years old on paper and i just drew it with my hands when i was like super into mortal Kombat trilogy That's the name of a character that I would make. Shawl with like two with like two of each letter. Except literally. for the L. Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Very. Yeah. Met this alien named X Sephiroth X. And uh, he was really cool, dude. He had a huge sword, bro. <laughs> uh, the, we got to move on. Uh, the rebels, as they might have, uh, as we should call them, devised a plan from this point on to bring the realities of Dulce facility to the light of the public. Thomas Thomas was given his role in security, played a pivotal part in gathering evidence. The very documents and photographs that would later be known as what we mentioned last week, the Dulce Papers. So the Dulce Papers are things that he just scooped from the base before he left, according to him. There, do you need a relink to that, to the Dulce Papers, by the way? I got you. Don't worry. I, I would love that. one. Yes. I have that at the ready. Don't forget. It's at bibliothecapleiades.net. Dot net, baby. Off, slash dot off net. limits. Slash especially off limits. <laughs> you see that? Oh, uh, yeah. At the very top. Yeah. It's, it's bibliothecapleiades.net slash off limits slash esp off limits. Especially too. off limits. Super off limits. Uh, so, um, yeah, this is the Dulce papers at the bottom. We have like five different uh, images, a video that doesn't work anymore. And these are things, again, he scooped from the base supposedly uh so while you're looking at that those are all government papers quote unquote um their plan with these dolce pa- these dulce papers i almost said dolce again 
Their plan was to leak this information to the public, to reveal the existence of the base and its egregious violations of human rights and ethics, and they'd hoped that public outrage and scrutiny would force the powers behind Dulce to cease their operations or at least bring them under regulation. That was like the goal, which is kind of a weird, a weird like goal, I guess. My, I just don't know why he didn't take pictures of some things. I mean, dude. there's the number one question. He was the photographer for a while. Yeah. Like the man was camera ready <laughs> for a long time. Yeah. It's just yeah, up. Anyway, uh, before we move on, I also want to give you a quick list of other bases that are all uh, operating in similar styles, uh, or at least the, where they're located, as well as a tunnel system that connects all of them. Like Disney? Like <laughs> yeah, the Denver Airport? Across states. Yeah. Across states. So in Utah alone, um, Salt Lake, Lake Powell area, Dark Canyon, Dugway Grounds, Modena, Vernal, all of them have exits as well. These are all entrances and exits to the area. And they, he says that Mount Mount Arculeta, Arculeta, uh, or Mount Shasta is a major site of alien elder race, reptilian race, and human meetings. That's pretty close to us. Hey, there you go. Beginning in Cleveland, Grover, every president in U.S. history has visited Tello City. Truman was supposed to have visited the lower realms as a high archon on Earth. He was supposed to have met the king of the world there and give him the keys to the USA, quote-unquote, um, Mount Arculeta has a shuttle system that connects with other bases that moves through Mount Shasta and connects these other uh, bases, bases across the state and in, in, uh, across states and cities. I've never been more convinced that the internet was a mistake. <laughs> this is the ramblings of a madman. <laughs> Are you sure? Like what you're saying right now, any other time at any other point, if anyone had said this publicly, <laughs> they would be laughed at. Like this is goofy level now. Are you, we are know, full you're just, goof. You're just you're denying the truth that the government's hiding from us, Jesse. Well, after 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 Grover Cleveland, <laughs> after uh, you know, after Garfield went to go visit the King of the Earth and gave him the keys to the United States, like that is nonsense. I mean, you say what you will. I, yeah, I can't. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I will say what I will. That's utter garbage prove it's a lie prove to me it's a lie jesse go ahead you know what that, and that is the inherent problem with all this Damn. i simply can't <laughs> exactly that's how we deal with facts here we prove we we they're true until proven false <laughs> yep now he had ultra three um level clearance and he had heard rumors suggesting of lower levels that he needed ultra seven level clearance to access he does say he wasn't able to get there but he did hear a lot of talk and he, he did say that he saw elevators that were quote unquote off limits unless you had umbra or higher security clearance at the base okay which is ts4 higher than ultra ts4 ultra 3 umbra yep you got it this is like worse than xbox this is like worse this is worse than xbox (laughs) what sucks about that what sucks about that is that like t there's there's t3 and there's T3R like those are real security clearance things there's you know phased and then there's like national agency check things and X's and but okay. it's like partial true and then throwing in things like I had umbra level like <laughs> suddenly it's, it's like bro you don't even the know same I thing as shawl. it's triple. the same thing as shawl it's like a little too edgelordy 
I'm going to post a snippet of the interview. Uh, I want one of you to ask the question and one of you to read. Can you give me more information on the reptilian race? What do they do on the sixth level, the area called Nightmare Hall? <laughs> the worker cast does the daily chores, mopping the latex floors, cleaning the cages, bringing food to the hungry people and other species. It's their job to formulate the proper mixture for the type one and type two beings that the Draco race has created. The working cast work at the labs as well as at the computer banks. Basically speaking, the reptilian races are active at all levels of the Dulce base. There are several different races of aliens that work on the east sections of level six. That section is commonly called the alien section. The Draco are the undisputed masters of the five, six, seven levels. The humans are second in command of those levels. I had to argue with one large draconian boss frequently. His name is difficult to verbalize. Um, Karsh Fast. I actually called him Karsh and he hated it. The draconian leaders are very formal when talking to the human race. These ancient beings consider us a lower race. Karsh called me Leader Costello, but it was used in a sarcastical way. However, the worker caste is friendly enough, as long as you allow them to speak first. They will answer if you address them. They are very cautious beings and consider most humans to be hostile. They, also, they always seem surprised when they found many of the humans were open and trustworthy. There is no fraternizing with the aliens off hours. It is forbidden to speak to any alien race in the halls or an elevator without a clear business-oriented reason. Humans can talk to humans, and aliens can speak to aliens, but that is as far as it goes. At the worksite, however, it's different. There is free speech in the labs. <laughs> the camaraderie found in the labs also reaches the computer bank section. In those areas, everybody talks to anybody. I think they're sharing memes. Is that what's going <laughs> I on? Think that's what's happening. I don't know if the alien memes are very funny. However, <laughs> everything changes the minute you cross the threshold of the camaraderie found in the labs. Oh, wait. Cross the threshold of the hall. Instantly, all conversations become strictly formal. Hard as it was, several times I had to arrest someone simply because they spoke to an alien. It's a strange place. And that is one answer to one question out of like and he 20 just to said 30 that. fucking questions. And, and he, he just, just said that. He just spoke that. Definitely not a written line. Definitely spoke that out to a person who asked him. Formulated it in that way. But, uh, you know, that's to give you an idea of how this man kind of gave information out. But he gives a very detailed idea of how the reptilian caste system. Do you feel more educated? I feel like I have more information in my head. But they're about as, yeah. as educational as song lyrics. Okay. <laughs> That's a very nice way to put that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, all right, we're done with just like listening to his, we'll go back to the actual outline of the show here. And we're moving into the ensuing chaos of the uh, rebellion that was about to happen. Before the group could enact their plans, disaster struck. Somehow, the base's higher authorities got wind of the brewing descent and a crackdown ensued, swift and brutal. Costello described how, in an act of ruthless efficiency, a military strike team entered Dulce, targeting not only the human conspirators, but also any alien entities that were seen as collaborators. The corridors of Dulce, once the silent witness to covert atrocities, now echoed with the sounds of gunfire and panic. It was a kill on sight. 
like I said, their, their lives are at risk. He was right. Like the military came in and started putting people down. Thomas witnessed the fall of his co-conspirators one by one, though not of Sharla, because we don't know what happened to him. The rebellion ended up being crushed right then and there, but it only solidified his resolve to now escape and take the truth to light. So they couldn't even get a rebellion off the ground. The rebellion was formed before they could make any action. They were found out and they were crushed. So now his only goal is to get the fuck out and get information out so he can share it with the people so that maybe something can be done about this facility. So in a harrowing flight from the base, Costello managed to evade capture. And with him, he carried the evidence that he had gathered, a testament to the unspeakable acts committed within the walls of Dulce. The burden of these secrets and the trauma of what he had witnessed would haunt him for the rest of his life. And Costello's story, as he told it, is one of a man who, despite the overwhelming odds, chose to stand against the juggernaut of hidden powers. His account of Dulce Base, a facility shrouded in mystery and horror, challenges the very limits of our understanding of morality and what humans are capable of. Gentlemen, do you see what the government is hiding from us? Do you see why we have to fight back? Starting to glimpse. I think I'm starting to glimpse it. Yeah. I don't see the why yet. Because there's horrifying things happening in there. That's why. Duh. Duh. Yeah, but basically the why is because the government can't stop it, so they're like, well, we might as well just join in. <laughs> sure. That's, yeah. But but then at the same time, they're like, we're also racing for alien tech, and we're also keeping this other side of it quiet, and also, like, the more you add, the more impossible it all becomes. How dare you? Fair. So while people are being gunned down, this military strike team moving with uh, uh, ruthless efficiency through the Dulce facility, Thomas made his decision. In the midst of the chaos, he realized his only option was to flee. His intimate knowledge of the facility's layout, coupled with the confusion of the assault, aided his escape and, and avoiding being uh, shot down dead. He navigated the maze-like tunnels, avoided patrols and surveillance, driven by a desperate instinct to survive and tell the world what he'd seen. As he made his way through the lower levels, Thomas encountered scenes of desperation. He saw other staff members and beings caught in the crossfire, struggling to comprehend the sudden outbreak of violence in a place that, despite its sinister nature, had always been meticulously controlled. Costello emerged, finally, from the Dulce base, not as a triumphant whistleblower, but as a haunted survivor. Burdened with the heavy weight of his experiences, he had witnessed the brutal suppression of a rebellion that sought to shine a light on atrocities hidden beneath the surface. His escape marked the beginning of a new chapter, one filled with paranoia being pursued and the moral obligation he now carried to reveal the truth to the world about what our government was doing. The documents and evidence he managed to smuggle out, the Dulce Papers, became his legacy, a testament to the courage and horrors associated with one of the most enigmatic and controversial conspiracy theories of all time. The story of the uprising and its crushing defeat within the Dulce base, as narrated by Costello himself, leaves us with a chilling portrait of resistance in the face of an overpowering shadow authority. It's a reminder of the lengths to which such powers might go to preserve their secrets and maintain their agendas and control the human population with a fist, like iron fist, and regardless of any ethical or human cost. Estello was a hero and a whistleblower who now found himself in exile. He narrowly escaped the deadly purge at Dulce. Costello found himself a man on the run, carrying with him the secrets of one of the most secretive installations on Earth. He was aware that his life was now constantly in danger, that he could never again lead a normal life. And in his exile, he released the Dulce Papers, hoping to shed light on the atrocities. 
The papers filled with descriptions of advanced technologies, alien species, and horrific experiments sent shockwaves through the UFO and conspiracy theory communities at the time. The story of Thomas Edwin Costello and the Dulce facility base remains one of the most enduring and controversial tales in the conspiracy theory library. Skeptics question the veracity of his claims for good reason, pointing to the lack of concrete evidence and the absence of records confirming his employment or even his existence. And believers, however, view Thomas as a courageous whistleblower where the military wiped out his past and pretended he was a nobody while making fun of him and uh, performing covert psych- psyops on him to con- keep him confused and paranoid. Don't you hate when people do that? I do. Wait, so you're telling me, time out. Well, let me get this straight. I could go around, like right now on this podcast, I could announce that I, in fact, served four tours of duty. At, at well, I was a well-decorated soldier. I uh, was in Vietnam, the Iraq War, and the War of 1812. Um, I have been involved in many top secret things. And here's the thing, guys. I saw the Dracos and the Greys, but you're just going to have to trust me on this. All the evidence was lost, and my military record was was expunged. Because the government's trying to silence me. No, you're one um, step behind. I'm actually very important. No, he brought. And don't look it up because there's nothing to look up. The records have been. He expunged. brought the Jose papers, though. He's got 25 pages of documents. Do you have 25 pages of documents? I just documents. I mean, I have 20. I, you know what? <laughs> behind me, I'm pretty sure I do. Uh, <laughs> what kind of documents? Who? You know what? The government. Government illustrations the of alien test tubes with test tube babies in there. It just all seems very convenient for fakery. Is what I'm saying. Like it's it's so specific, and and to say like this is the greatest secret man has ever <laughs> kept, and I'm on the run. Question: This dude dead or alive? Uh, I think he's dead now, if I remember correctly. Let me check. I want to know how he was killed by the Dracos. Is what I'm assuming. I oh, assume oh, he was oh, ripped well, to shreds. Oh. No, no, no. So <laughs> I don't know why I'm looking. I know the answer to this. There's no evidence the man existed. <laughs> Oh, shit. <laughs> this is the real top secret stuff. This is the tippy Dude, top. Now, I'm going to let you know. This is the I tippy believe top this secret. story more now. This is the tippy I top I believe secret. it more now because he didn't exist. I'm like, you got me over here being like, oh, would that, why, did he exist? Like, huh, I don't. You got me even more. That's amazing. So, wait, the guy, we don't even know if he existed? Yeah, well, that's the thing. So, like, you know, as we look over the decades of people who've done research into this, they first looked to see if there's any records of Dulce facility, these Dulce papers, where did it come from? Then they started looking into this guy's background, and then they realized they couldn't find anything, and they couldn't find any evidence that a man by the name of Thomas Costello even fucking existed. Fuck yeah. He was wiped, dude. Fuck yeah. I'm I'm telling wiped you, from wiped the out. record. The Dracos got yeah. him, dude. <laughs> I'm doubling I down. I believe now more that the Dracos <laughs> got him, dude. Fuck it. <laughs> Like, we only know this because of this, the leaked interview this guy had with somebody that is on auricmedia.net. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Does that make it more believable? And people would say, well, why release it to, to that website that no the one's viewing? One who believed Here's it. the thing. That's the one they forgot to get. They got all the other sources. <laughs> they they got all in. the other things. Yeah, yeah. He absolutely is just let's, frozen. Let's hang 10 for a minute. Oh, let's sorry. I didn't mean to get frozen. They tried to stop me, but I'm back. I'm, I was saying that's the one they forgot to get. That's the one they like of all the websites. That's the one they forgot to cleanse. And that's why the interview exists there because the Draco's got him, dude. <laughs> what? 
The Draco's got him, dude. It's surprising they didn't see auricmedia.net, but they got bibliothecapleiades.net. Oh, they got all of them. Yeah, they went through, they got them all, except for that one, because that's... Th- that was wasn't important. No one's going to that website, so they didn't even notice. And now it. we're taking a microphone and blasting the truth. Costello's uh, whole hope is happening right now, dude. We're the last. You know what? Actually, never mind. Draco's. I I don't know shit. Well, dude, I'm t- listen. If you want to, yeah, like you show up my door, I'm, I'll serve. You. I for one welcome being an alien pet. I don't give a damn. I'll just I'll be I'll smile. I'll like do little tricks. You tell me to like yeah. speak. I'll like start giving you the Gettysburg address. What better? I trick eat from than bowls that? all the time. I fucking eat from bowls, dogs bro. bark. Yeah, <laughs> dogs bark. Give me a little bed sp- in a bowl, Ooh. and then you like watch me as I poo. Like a bed in a if bowl. If anything, I'm in the dominant position. What if they give you like a little girlfriend, but it's not like a human girlfriend. It's like a robot they made that's like to just like sate you. You know, like hey, it's a little robot. What do you mean sate? Uh, I mean, like, it's weird, but to be honest, well, dogs hump when you want them to or not. Humans are going to be the same way. You're being kept as a pet. You need I some mean, sort like, of To be outlet. honest, I wouldn't care because I'd, I'd probably be, they probably uh, get me fixed, right? Oh, that's true. I never even thought about yeah, that. So I'd be like, it's just good know, pet whatever. ownership. It's just, it's yeah. just responsible pet ownership. Spade and neuter, dude. <laughs> I was going to say, do you think they have their own version of like Wheel of Fortune or whatever? And then they have to like spay and neuter their pets or uh, what, what show? Definitely was it? Like, Wheel of Fortune. Welcome back to Sniskas. <laughs> the fortune right and then yeah their host bob Snorg, is uh he's like get your pet made or do that this is like a picture of, of some humans that are just like happy yeah well and yeah. uh that, that's it boys it's in for dulce facility the two-parter is done Tom, thomas costello's story is out there there's a lot more if you want to go read his interview uh anybody who's interested all the questions are answered in that unnecessarily overly detailed way there's so much we had to just kind of like gloss over so if you're interested it's worth a read just for the fun factor um but yeah we're done that's it dusty facility's done we've talked about it for years i'm so happy it's over and uh it was super fun i was super excited to talk about it and i just forgot about the man not existing <laughs> that was just like complete mind blank that's the best part i Hell love yeah. it yeah fuck that's yeah so funny all right, we're off to do a mini-sode for patreon.com slash IlluminatiPod, as we always do. Thank you so much for everybody who's been supporting us over there, by the way. It's been amazing to have you guys just supporting us for so long. Uh, we've gotten a you know, video mini-sode for all those at the right tier. Jump in, check out what we got. We got a lot of bonuses if you jump into the Patreon, and we'll see you over there. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye. Anyway, me and my wife were sitting outside indulging on our porch one night, enjoying ourselves. I needed to go to the bathroom, so I stepped back inside, and after a few moments, I hear my wife go, Holy shit, get out here. So I quickly dash back outside, and she's looking up at the sky in awe. I look up too, and there's a perfect line of dozen lights traveling across the sky.
Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.